Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, this is Austin. And this is Colin. Episode 82, and we are going to do a couple of fun things tonight, guys. We are going to do our first mailbag episode in quite a while. Um, it's been, I don't know, probably since last offseason that we did one of these. So we're going to do a mailbag bag episode. Because um, quite frankly, there isn't a lot of news going around out there. And then the other thing uh, that we are going to do, we are going to talk everybody's favorite position, tight end. Woo! A lot of ambiguity at the position this offseason. Um, so we figured, why not? Again, slow news week. That's how, that's how you know it's a slow news week, because we're going to dedicate at least a third of the show to talking about the tight end situation in college. I mean, is it barren or is it budding? It's a good question. Do you like that title? I did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I spend more time than I should have think um, than I should thinking about titles for things. Um, no, that's the that's the hook. That's what gets them. So um, yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about. I re- I wrote an article about it about I don't know. I guess maybe about close to a month ago at this point. It's been a little while. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna take a deep dive into it. Um, before we start, though, Colin, um, everybody's favorite not so Swedish chef. Chef Decker, um, did you cook anything fun for dinner tonight? Uh, I did. I made spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, any home- meatballs homemade, store-bought? Uh, store-bought. I'm not even going to ask if the pasta was homemade or store-bought and the sauce, same. Yeah, all store-bought. Okay. Um, okay. Garlic bread, made some of that. You know, the Texas, the Texas toast, toast again. Yep. Man, you really love it. You're keeping that those people in business. They're they're good. They, they're they're good. But yeah, we um, we had the uh, the engagement party this weekend. Um, Surprised so you didn't have leftovers. Oh, uh, we had well, we've hot dogs, but mm. we had I had that for lunch. Surprised you didn't chop chop those up and throw them in there. Throw them in little, there. Little no, spaghettios had... and hot dogs action. Uh, first of all, don't put that past me. I have done that multiple, multiple times. I, it was, it, it was not really a joke. Like, oh. um, but yeah, so we had that all day Saturday, like, and then Sunday we were cleaning up from that most of the day. Um, cause we had it at her parents' place in the backyard, um, set up tents and tables and all that good stuff. But so we were just cleaning up that and then we just did not feel like grocery shopping. So we got a uh, giant direct delivered. Oh, okay. I've never done grocery store delivery before. Um, it's good for like non-perishables. Like I don't trust people there picking out my produce or my meat because they don't care. But you got like, meatballs. They were frozen. Okay. And those had been in there for a little while. Uh, okay. Okay. I just was checking. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, we got we got Giant Direct. So. Yeah, I have to try it sometime. It's it's worth it. It's you know it's not something we do every time, but yeah, it's good. I, I can't say that I've ever hit the point in my life where I've been so lazy that I couldn't run to the grocery store to get something. But you've never maybe, had one of those maybe busy I will weekends. Hit, maybe I will hit that low sometime. And I will, you ever had will one hit. of those weekends where you're just not around and you're so busy and you're like, you know what? I don't feel like grocery shopping. So it's actually so I guess I shouldn't hate on it too much because I've definitely had those weekends and instead we just like order a pizza or something. I guess uh, it's not that much different than just ordering groceries. I don't know. That concept is kind of odd to me, but I get it. And especially during the pandemic, I know it was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, we actually didn't do it during the pandemic. We just do it when we're lazy. Hmm. 
I'd probably be more and more often, huh? Um, it has been a little bit recently. We've had like some really busy weekends, but especially with traveling and stuff. But okay. yeah, okay. We try well, to keep of, it to a minimum. Well, enough about that. Um, the only thing I'm going to say before we start the show, guys, if you guys haven't rated and reviewed the show yet, it does help us out a lot. If you do that on whatever platform you're listening to, especially I know, according to the analytics, the numbers. Um, like 80% of you guys listen on, on iTunes or on Apple podcasts or whatever. So if you can go on there, just give it five stars, say like Colin sucks at cooking or well, give me um, a recipe, give me some tips or Austin's Austin's really handsome. Like anything that's just a fact that, you know, if you want to throw it in there, um, that, that's perfectly fine. Um, that would help us out a lot. And, uh, check out our Debbie guide. If you haven't done it yet, guys over at the website, uh, 261 profiles, um, carefully all handwritten by us. Um, and we're pretty excited about it. So go ahead and check that out. If you have a Debbie draft, a C2C draft, or uh, any other sort of uh, related draft, I think uh, I think it'll be some good reading for you. Yeah, um, or you know, get a leg up on the dynasty rookies for next year. Yep, exactly. Um, we are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, guys. A ton of other really great podcasts over there. Um, True North Fantasy, Play to Win, Dynasty Happy Hour, Smoke Show, Triple Play, the list goes on and on and on. Go ahead, check all of those out, guys, in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, where you can check out the Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Um, should we start off with tight ends, Colin? You know, I'll let you choose, or should we start off with the mailbag? Let's start off with tight ends. You know, it's one okay. of my favorite positions. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. Then, then Colin has spoken. This was a choose your own adventure night, um, like the old uh, Goosebumps books uh, for anybody that. Nice. Is- Old enough to have read those. Good reference. Um, just a couple. Uh, I have some discussion points here, Colin, but I kind of want us to, to 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 talk pretty far down the list on tight ends tonight because I think the position's a little better off than people are giving it credit for this offseason just because we lost so many guys to the NFL this year. I mean, even like your Isaiah Likelys and your, um, you know, your Cole Turners, like these guys that went late, but they were still really, really nice uh, uh, college players. Um, but I guess I, I'll start off with the, the, the uh, you know, the high end of things, and then we'll work our way down. That seems logical. Um, and, and the first question I put down here, Colin, I said, is the tight end position a top two or is it a top three? The top two, what I mean, Brock Bowers, Michael Mayer, I think everybody or mostly everybody agrees that's probably the top two in some order. I know like we're like almost split 50-50 on it here at Campus Canton. Um, so th- those are the top two guys. The third guy that's been creeping up a little bit is Michael Trigg. Second year tight end there at Ole Miss. Um, I actually included him in that top group kind of tentatively uh, when I wrote the article because I know that he's not going that, – that ranking is not going to be for everybody. Um, and I actually have Trigg as my top tight end now. I, I have him as my top guy. Um, but, uh, but I just want to ask you, Colin, ADPs of, of 20 and 24 for Bowers and Mayer, and then Trigg is in the eighties. I think that'll, that'll go up here as time goes on. Um, top two, top three. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm definitely warming up to the idea of a top three there. Um, I wrote up Michael Trigg for the Debbie guide there and I came away very impressed. Um, he, you can definitely tell he has that basketball background, so you know, be prepared to hear about that time and time and time again. Um, he was actually a pretty like sought after recruit. Um, he, you know, he, he was going, going to go to 
I want to say Arkansas or Alabama, one of the two in um, it, it, one of the SEC, one of the two SEC schools there that starts with an A. Um, I can't remember which one, exactly which one it was, but highly sought after basketball recruit, and you know that really shows up in his in his tape. Um, and I think he's going to be used a lot in the slot uh, and kind of used as like a big wide receiver there for Ole Miss. So like, at least if the spring game was any indication. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's got the high-end athleticism. He's got the receiving ability, uh, the ball skills, and he's going to have some good production for you in college. So I think he offers, uh, he offers a, lot of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of upside there. So I'm warming up to him in the top three. A couple of things surprised me um, when I was kind of uh, reviewing the Debbie guide, you know, I, I did a lot of the, the final kind of editing, you know, making sure everything was in order, you know, the, uh, those kinds of things. So, um, and then um, obviously reading it after the fact as well. Um, it's surprising to me. Like I, Trig is listed at like six, three or six, four, depending on where you look. I thought he was closer to six, four, six, five, just eyeballing him. So I thought that was interesting. Also a little surprised that he's too listed at two forty five. Might be a little bit generous, um, but I mean, like, I thought he was like six four and a half, two forty, and apparently he's like six three two forty five. So yeah, I mean, he has excellent size. Not any worse off mm-hmm. than Evan Ingram, and Evan Ingram's problem hasn't been getting open in the NFL like we kind of thought it would, or, or being schemed out of things. It's just he hasn't been able to stay healthy and he can't catch the ball. And we have <laughs> Trick did get hurt last year, but it but it wasn't you know a, a super major injury, um, and we haven't seen drop issues with him yet. So I think there, there are shades or, or people that are kind of scared of some of these move tight ends that aren't, you know, Kyle Pitts, six, six, two forty five. Um, they're just kind of, you know, that, that matchup because they're the problem because they're so big trick. Isn't quite that he is more Ingram than, than Pitts, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. The other thing about this is like, we just want superior athletes at the tight end position. And I, while I look at Bowers and mayor and either of them are bad athletes by any stretch of the imagination, uh, I don't think mayor is an elite athlete. I think we've talked a little bit about this and Brock Bowers is small. Like we're hoping that he gains 10 to 15 pounds. Um, but why not take the guy that's already there presumably or, or closer to it than he is the same, the same year. Um, I I'm advocating trig is my tight end one. He is my tight end one. Debbie he is my tight end one in C2C. I think um, I would actually put money on him being the top scoring tight end in college football this year. If that spring game was any indication, I do know that they've, uh, reinforced the receiving core a little bit there. They, they picked up Jalen Robinson. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, uh, brought him in from over from UCF and they do have some other guys there. I mean, they have Jonathan Mingo. Um, uh, who else did they bring in this off season? They brought um, Jordan Watkins. who yeah. we thought was going to have a bigger role, but with Robinson in hard to yeah, say, maybe, maybe not. Um, like I, I don't really love the other options there. Um, so it, it really would not surprise me if Trig is the leading receiver. That's just because him and Jackson dart, were a package deal in in the transfer portal. I mean, I think that that counts for something as well. So give me all the the trig. I actually think, you know, I think this ADP uh, as we get closer to the season, I, I think he'll shift up. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in the 50s, 60s. He's probably already going closer to there now. Um, and I think he'll continue to climb. And I would much rather, like, you could never convince me to spend the 20th overall pick on Brock Bowers or the 24th overall pick on Michael Mayer, but you could convince me to spend the 40th to 50th pick on Michael Trigg which I think is probably where he settled in. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it depends a little bit on the format, but still, like, I, I'm fine paying up for, for a guy that I think there's a lot of value to be had there. And once you get past pick 40 or so, there is a little bit of a cliff there. 
uh, just in terms of like you're you're really starting to speculate, and I think it, he doesn't require as much speculation either. So I really like Trigg's value, and I, I I just like him more than those other two guys. Give me all of Michael Trigg, and we get him for at least two years in college still. Like Mayer's gone after this year. If he stinks or takes a long time to get acclimated in the NFL, like you're, you're kind of spending up on a guy for one year when you could get Trigg for two years, and I think at, at minimum he he outscores Mayer this year. That just seems like a very easy decision to me personally. Yeah, I think that's something that's really underrated when you're talking about where Mayer is going in drafts is you get one year of college production for him. Now, it's going to be good good college production. Like he should be a top five CFF tight end. Um, but you're likely only getting one year of that. And then, but you're still spending a second round pick on that. He's an ADP of, of 24. So back into the second, um, you know, that's just, that's a lot for, for one year. And then you don't know what you're going to get at the NFL level. You know, we think he's going to be good, but is he going to be, you know, a Zach Ertz? type you know i think that's kind of the mold that i see him in um but it's only one year and then brock bowers you get two years but that's a crowded tight end room i i do feel like he's probably going to produce well there still but you know i have a little bit more of a question mark about that than i do with trig and like you said with the elite athleticism there i think trig is a trig is, is a good athlete he's a very he's a very good athlete um and at 245, I think, honestly, he's probably still even going to put on like another five to 10 pounds in college. You know, they're going to need to bulk him up um, a little bit if they want him to play in line. Although, like I said, I, I think that's a waste. Like, I don't even think they're going to attempt to do that. I think I would play the slot for them this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way he was used in the spring. Like I was like I said before, uh, he was basically used as a big slot. But, you know, and then that's going to lead for him to have better production, too. But. Either way, I think he can still carry a little bit more weight uh, and not lose that athleticism. So he checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, he'll show up to the combine. He'll crush all the testing. Uh, I have I have very little doubt about that. So as, in my opinion, it is very much a top three, and I actually would put put Trig uh, over those two guys. Um, so I, think after, that's a bold, I think that's a bold take, and I think a lot of people will be surprised by that. Not I'm lukewarm just, Austin I, I, today. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking by like November that that will not seem super hot takey. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be as good of a team this year. Like they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And that offense like that, that quick RPO style hit your first read. Like I think on a lot of plays, he's going to be the first read. Like just, a, you know, just a little like slant three, five, five yard slant, like catch, let him run a little bit because those linebackers get sucked up. Like I think that we're going to see him probably catch 30 to 40 passes just off of that RPO action where he's just wide open, first read, dart hits him right away, and he can run a little bit. Like I just think that it's automatic, and that gives him a crazy floor. He can win downfield. He'll he'll score touchdowns in the red zone. The only other guy they really have it's a red zone guy is Mingo. Um, so like it's just it it seems. I don't want to say like it seems obvious, but it just, it, it's like you look at this and you're like, man, like I cannot believe that the value that is presenting itself here in this way. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll do. Um, so after those three call on, I think it, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's kind of all over the place. Tight ends, it really depends on your league. Like I, I think by far our tight end ADP is the weakest just mm -hmm. because it, it depends so much 
on league mates and league settings. Like I am seeing more and more of these like start two tight ends. And so like in those, a lot of these tight ends are going to go early. Like, so I, I, I will, I will say that before we get too far into this. And I don't think it's necessarily a flaw in what we're doing. It's just, this is the nature of the position and how crazy it is. But just some of the guys that come after, in my opinion, the big three, you got like a Julio Skinner, true freshman there at Miami, uh, Theo Johnson. Like th- these are all really big athletic guys. Theo Johnson at Penn State. He's a third year tight end there um, from Windsor, Canada. Um, for whoever's listening to this, that, that might have a different uh, belief on that one. You've got like a Elijah Royo is tight end nine. Julio Billingsley uh, at Texas transferred there, tight end 10. Um, Darnell Washington, the big third year tight end at Georgia. You've got um, uh, 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 Benjamin Urasex in there. Like it's all these big guys. I'm actually really surprised how low Oscar Delp is um, as I'm looking at this. But it, like the name of the game after this, if you're speculating on some Debbie upside, it is athlete. Uh, is there any name in this kind of group that, that stands out to you a little more, Colin? Yeah, it's, it stands out for a little bit more of a negative reason. That's Jaleel Skinner. Um, it, it's it's stone cold like the the a top five worst value in our ADP right now. It's yeah. so bad. It's so um, bad. He's he's going off the board as the tight end four, uh, ADP of 95, and that was from the month of April. But overall, his ADP is 122, still tight end four. So it was early and climbing. It's hard to take freshman tight end this early i'm very much uh, a weight on tight end type of a guy i do not typically spend up on a tight end and i cannot advocate spending up on julio skinner i mean he was good as a receiver but he also weighs 215 pounds um at least that's what he was at listed at on um 24 7 i haven't seen what he's listed at on miami's website but he's small he's listed at the same weight yeah, so he's 215 pounds. He has to gain 30 pounds to get that 245 mark. And that's like a minimum mark you want to see from a tight end. That's a lot of weight to project somebody to gain. And he's going to Miami. Miami has Will Mallory there uh, and Elijah Arroyo. Both of those guys are going to play a good amount of snaps this year. And then I think Will Mallory is out of eligibility after that. I believe but, he is. Yes. But Elijah Arroyo is not. Elijah Arroyo is a guy that I like a lot. Um, he's actually Devi tight end. He's my tight end five. Uh, he's my tight end seven for C2C. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be very productive. I think he has a bright NFL future as well. So Skinner is going to be behind him as well, even when Mallory does leave. So, you know, they Miami is starving for some pass catching options, so maybe he sees the field, but I don't know. I just I cannot buy in at that price. I think I think we nailed our ranking of him in the Debbie guide. Uh we put him as tight end 16 overall. We put him in our tier four. Um and I I actually am the one who wrote him up and I focused a lot on kind of the comparison to Kyle Pitts and how I think it's it, it's not fair to him from like yeah. uh, comparing him to a unicorn standpoint. And it's also just not fair because I just don't think that's the player that he is, uh, despite what one, the, what some people want to say. Um, so, I, and I even, I went back and looked. So, so Skinner is listed at 6'5", 210. Um, 210, not even 210. 215. Yes. And Pitts weighed in at 230, or 245 at the combine and entered college over 220. 
so he already weighed a significant amount more uh, than Skinner did when he entered. The other problem for Skinner, you know, is is he does not have very good hands. I've heard multiple reports of people that have been able to watch him live that have said that he he does not have good hands. He drops the ball a ton. Um, he, he's way more athlete than football player. Um, he's it's a crowded depth chart. Yeah, like he is not a better prospect than Elijah Arroyo is coming out of high school. Uh, I don't even actually don't even really think it's particularly close. No, um, I, he'll be behind him for at least the next couple of years. Um, I, I I don't see it with him, so I actually agree with you. He's he is stone cold. I I, I uh, hesitate to call him the worst because I'm I think DJU just goes like stupidly high yeah. still. Um, uh, and then like the fact that Julian Fleming gets drafted at all is worse <laughs> than whatever's happening with Julio Skinner. Um, so, um, but yeah, he's uh, for how highly he's going, like, it's just embarrassing. Like Oscar Delp is so much better than he is. Yeah. He's, I, I don't, I don't get that one at all. There's a huge discrepancy between him and, and Delp and talent wise. And then inverse of that in ADP, like just, just, it's not a good value at all. Uh, yeah. That's the one that really stands out to me. Yeah, uh, there's a couple other ones that stand out a little bit too. Thomas Fedone's going as tight end eight. We never got confirmation that his knee tore again. We didn't, but I've heard those rumors. It was a very loud rumor, and it's the, it originally started from a guy who was the first to report it last year. Like he's not a, a super followed account, but I do think he's one of those people who just like knows somebody in the athletic department. They are notoriously tight lipped there about injuries. So we might not know until the, the fall rolls around and he's not out there. Um, I still think tight end eight, nine is probably way too high for him. Yeah. I think that's egregious. Um, your set goes really late. Surprisingly. I mean, he's uh, and a lot of Debbie circles thought of pretty highly. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical a tiny bit. Um, but for him to go as tight end 12 behind some guys, the other one that I think goes way too high is Cameron Latu. Yeah. He is a uh, uh, tight end at, at Alabama there. He's going to be there, probably their their main tight end this year, especially with Billingsley leaving. Um, I just don't see it with him at all. Um, he, he's a bigger guy, former defensive end, um, uh, fair athlete, but I certainly don't think he's elite. Um I watched him alligator arm that one in the spring game. And I was like, Nope, Nope, never going to make it. Um, just, I, I don't know that he he's a, an NFL level tight end. And I don't think he's going to score heavily this year. He didn't score heavily last year. He's going to, he's going to be like a tight end two or three for college fantasy purposes. Like what are you drafting a tight end two or three for shoot for the moon? Because if they're not going to get drafted, they're not going to be a startable tight end. Then what are you doing? Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on Latu. I wrote him up for the guide as well. Um, and, I mean, he when he wants to catch the ball, like if, if in traffic, like he can. Um, you know, he can hang on through contact, but too often he does alligator arm it. Uh, he's not particularly explosive. He's kind of stiff. And... Yeah, he was, so one of the appeals with him that I think people a lot of people are seeing is he is the leading returning receiver for Alabama, um, and he was second on their team for touchdowns too. But that's going to be a very different offense this year. They're bringing in new guys. He's not going to lead the team in receiving. Obviously, he's not. I don't think he's going to be second on the team in touchdowns. Although 
that's what you're hoping for, for him scoring. You're hoping for him to go three for 30 and a touchdown. You know, I, I don't see him consistently putting up better lines than that. So you can find better production somewhere else, cheaper. And again, don't think he's really an NFL guy. Now he is, you know, a, a passionate blocker. You need some technique there because he's coming over from the defensive side. But, you know, the effort is definitely there. You know, he could stick on a roster as kind of like a blocking tight end who can occasionally catch some pa- passes, but that's about his ceiling. The only other one that I want to just toss out real quick, Julio Billingsley is like eight spots ahead in the ADP over uh, 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 Jatavian Sanders, and I would way rather have Sanders. I think Sanders yeah. is actually the guy there. Um, based on what I've heard this spring and, and, um, uh, Sanders looked really good in the spring game. So, yeah, I, I just wrote up like a ton of tight ends. Cause I wrote up Sanders too. Um, I like Sanders a lot. Uh, he's, he was really dynamic as a receiver. Um, he showed a lot of nuance too there as well that I wasn't really expecting. Now he didn't really do anything last year. So that's going back to high school, but you still like to think that he's going to improve upon that even more. The big question with him, you know, it's he was an at, listed as an athlete, so defense or offense, it's you know, sounds like he's going to stick at tight end. And you know, they Texas doesn't really have an inline guy, you're not besides him, you're not going to play Jaleel Billingsley in, in line, he's too small. They have other receiving options, worthy, Nayor, uh, Ike Hall, you know, Jordan Whittington still there too, so. You know, Jaleel Billingsley is like, like receiver only, basically, and at the, in terms of tight end. And I don't know how much receiving work he's actually going to get. Because if you want to play somebody in line, it's not him. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. Um, I mean, there's some other names in this range that I think are, are pretty good players. We'll see if they – a tight end position, so hit or miss. You know, you've got like Jaheim Bell, the, the H-back type tight end at South Carolina, I think, is definitely worth looking at. Um, um don't well actually so the one that Eric Gilbert will probably shoot up our, our ADP here now that he's confirmed back and, and flashed there in the spring game. Um and then obviously we talked we kind of mentioned Oscar Delp, but I, our top ranked two true freshman uh tight end at the position. Yes, he might sit a little bit this year, but I think he does see the field a little bit and there's a chance that Gilbert and Washington are gone after this year. So that that is certainly helpful. Um, I'm also not interested in drafting, uh, Jake Burningstool at all. Second year tight end, uh, from Clemson. He's, he's a really, really tall kid. He's six, six ish. Um, you know, probably six, 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 seven, somewhere in that range. Um, he was one of the top rated tight ends in last year's class. Um, but he's, he's a super, super skinny. Um, I don't think he's actually really gained much weight at all. Uh, there at Clemson, uh, he's listed at, at 235. I'm a little skeptical. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I just don't see with this kid at all. I don't think he's a legitimate uh, NFL tight end. No. I'm not super interested. I, I took him in one or two leagues last year where he just fell so ridiculously far that I was like, okay, like, I guess I kind of have to take him here. Um, but I, I'm really not a huge fan, even though he was, you know, again, like a borderline four or five star kind of guy. Yeah, and he he performed well in the spring game too. Um, but again, he, he, similar to Trig, they they used him pretty much exclusively, like as a big slot. Uh, and I don't think that's a lasting role for Brinning Stool on Clemson's team. There, I think they just have other guys that they can play. Um, 
you know, they have better guys outside. You know, we like Antonio Williams, uh, Troy Stilato's there too. He may get some work in the slot. I don't see Brenningstool being that guy who gets the slot work. Um, so yeah, I don't see it with Brenningstool either. Uh, definitely a, a weird one there. Um, all right, Colin. So, you know, a lot of these guys we're kind of talking about, do they have NFL upside? Are they going to do anything for college for you? You know, that's, that's the name of the game here in Camps to Canton. But every offseason, we talk about some of these guys that are that we call, you know, quote unquote, college only. And some of them might have a little bit of NFL upside, but the majority of these players, you're you're drafting them for their college production and anything else you get. Just kind of a happy surprise. Um, tight end wise, just some guys that that you're targeting in drafts this year that you're probably going to start week in, week out uh, on your CFF side. But again. There's zero really any hope for for NFL stuff. So I put Ben Yurisek on this list here, but I guess there's not zero chance for him at the at the NFL level. I mean, there's there's a hope. You know, he'll probably get drafted there. So I'll refine that one and I'll take him off there and I'll list um, a guy that I think is strictly. CFF um, Christian Sims for Bowling Green. Uh, he averaged 11 points a game last year. I think that team probably going to take a step forward a little bit this year. Um, Chris Moxley's been intrigued by a lot of their guys on, on uh, Bowling Green. And I think he's one of them there. So I see that being very repeatable performance for him, you know, an 11 points per game kind of a deal. Uh, and for a tight end, that's pretty good. You're going to, you know, that's startable every week. You're not going to love it, but you'll start him most weeks. And again, zero NFL upside there. Um, and then the other guy for me would be Zach Koontz. I don't really see much of an NFL future for him. He's enormous. Like yeah. That's just, <laughs> that just probably not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think... Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out for him. I think he is too big because he's like six foot eight or something like that. But it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, he he's huge. Like there, it's one of my big problems with Darnell Washington too. Like he is just too big in my opinion. There, there is a point where you're you're just too tall. And I think yeah. you know Darnell Washington six seven six eight. Zach Kuntz is in that range as well. Um, just not not really a range that I think is doable for serious. Uh, fantasy production in the NFL, which again is kind of what we, we hope for. Um, yeah. cause there are some taller tight ends. I know uh, Zach Gentry on the Steelers is, is like six, seven, but he's like our third blocking tight end. Like he's not a serious, uh, uh receiver. Um, I have two down real quick. Uh, the first one is a guy that I just haven't really heard people talking about Payne Durham at, at Purdue. Um, he has more than one year of eligibility left as far as I can tell. He's at Purdue. Purdue keep these wide receivers kind of keep dropping like flies. And we're just like, well, it's the next wide receiver up. I think now Chris Mox and I are both on the Brock Thompson train. Uh, but I don't see any reason why Payne Durham can't kind of take on shoulder a little bit of this burden as well. We expect Aiden O'Connell to pass for a bajillion yards this year to be uber efficient. Um, Durham, you know, has been an effective uh, receiver in the past. Um, like he's, he's not coming out of nowhere. This isn't a name that I'm just kind of pulling out. 
uh, uh, last season, 45 catches, 467 yards, six touchdowns. The year before that, he had a handful of touchdowns as well. Like he, he's always scored. Um, and he's got nice size. I mean, he's 6'5", 255. He's going to be on the field a bunch. Um, so he's a guy that I really, really like. And I think, you know, I'm probably going to try to trade for him a little bit uh, this offseason. And then I just put down Ryan Jones as well. Um, he's a tight end at ECU. Uh, I'll be lying if I said that I knew a ton about him, but uh, he's a former Oklahoma kid. Our CFF team is very, very high on him. And last year uh, was his first year at East Carolina. Uh, he, he sat out 2020. He had 37 catches, 442 yards, and five touchdowns. That's a pretty good year for a college tight end. You know, not a lot of these guys are going for 70, 950, and, and, and eight or whatever. Like that, that doesn't really happen too much in college. So I'll take both those guys. Uh, and, and be pretty happy if I can get both of them. If I can't get my, well, we didn't even talk about Shimon Medier, like at Cincy, <laughs> if I can't get a guy like that or or any of the other guys that we discussed. Yeah, I, I like uh, Ryan Jones. I think that was a good call. Um, you listed him before I got a chance to. So, and another like he's he's not big. He's six. He's listed no. at six two. So I don't think there's really NFL upside. Yeah, he's six two. I think like two thirty five. I think is what they have him listed at. But. Um, ECU loses a lot of receiving production there. Tyler Sneed's gone. CJ Johnson's no longer even on the roster. Uh, but Holton Allers is back, so he's going to need to throw the ball to somebody. Uh, I do think Ryan Jones can have a really nice year there for CFF production. Yeah, I have him listed at 6'2", 247. Okay, but, there you go. Like, still, like, I mean, he's a bulky guy, but but not super tall. So no, um, that, that's probably not going to happen in the NFL. Um, any other tight ends, Colin, you want to toss out before we – uh, drop into some of the questions here. Yeah, I think Marshawn Ford's a guy to, to keep an eye on sure. um, for, for Louisville there. You know, they lost a lot off of that st- um, team with receiving there. You know, Tyler Harrell's gone. Um, Jordan Watkins, I think it was for, was at Louisville. He transferred out. Now they do still have uh, Huggins Bruce and they brought in Tyler Hudson too. So they have some options, but Marshawn Ford is just steady Eddie, reliable for CFF production. Solid athlete, um, somebody who could, you know, make an NFL roster there. So I think that's one. Um, and then I'm a big Josh Simon guy. Uh, I I like him a lot. I'm I'm definitely higher on him than anybody else. You know, you said you think Michael Trigg could lead the um, country in receiving at the tight end position. Definitely think that's possible. I also think Josh Simon could do it too. Um, he led. He was second on the team in um, receiving his freshman year. He was second on the team his sophomore year. He got hurt last year after one game, but in that one game, three catches, 73 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, They lose a lot uh, of receiving options. Now they bring in a lot of other other players, but they lose their top three in terms of yards and touchdowns. So Simon could step into that role. He's established there. Um, now it was with a different regime, but I still think he's a pretty established guy there. And then I like his athleticism too. Um, so I think he's, he has some NFL potential there as well. Uh, he'll need to add a little bit of weight, but you know, I, I think that he's, he's going to get an opportunity there. Yeah. I think that's a, a very fair shout as well. He's a little more difficult to, uh, to trade for. I think, uh, savvy owners probably know who they have there with him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, sad times. But. I agree. But I unfortunately, fortunately for me, I have a lot of Josh Simon. You lucky dog. 
All right. So well, it hurt last year when he got hurt after one game. And then I was like, well, what do I do at tight end now? But this year. This is your year. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, all right, Colin. So we got uh, five or six questions. We're only going to talk uh, about three of them here. Um, I'm sure we'll do another one of these at a, at a different time. Um, but definitely some good ones. I think we'll have some good discussion on these three. Um, uh, these were all asked in our Discord, by the way. So if you are a member of the site uh, and uh, com and you have not checked out the Discord yet, um, there is a link on the website to do that. And if you cannot find it, uh, please feel free to DM us and we can point you in the right direction there uh, so you can get in there. There's just constant discussion. Um, and, and these, I thought, were all really good questions uh, from some people that are fairly active in there. So um, happy to to receive some of these questions. First one here, Colin. Um, Nick Farr asked uh, who, and Nick Farr uh, not only is a great member of our Discord, but also uh, won uh, my Fantasy Premier League mini league this year. Um, oh, nice. Did, did very, very well I there. I finished a very distant second. Uh, Chris, Christmas period, he just totally pulled away from me. And if you play Fantasy Premier League, uh, that means something to you. And if you don't, then that just sounds stupid. And we'll move on. Um, so, yes. So, Nick uh, asked, who are the freshmen who underperformed last year? So, second year guys this year uh, that you're not ready to give up on yet? Uh, well, I'll start with the first one here. Jaden Ballard, wide receiver, Ohio State. Um, you know, he was the, the Ringo star of that group that they brought in, um, last year, um, out of Agbuka and MHJ, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Kind of forgotten about guy. He was a year one zero. So if you subscribe to the year one zero theory, uh, he is a fade and I do subscribe to the year one zero zero theory, but I think there's context that needs to be involved in this situation here. And, Jaden Ballard was behind uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, JSN, and then Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka, and Julian. Through you know Julian Fleming got some snaps in there too. So you know it, it was a very very crowded room. Um, but I I'm holding out some hope for him this year. You know I think he's going to play that field stretching role for them this year. By the sound of things, uh, on the outside he's he's a fast guy um you know he was uh, a verified 4640 but i think he's faster than that too um he's he's a good downfield threat there so it's going to get him on the field he's better at that kind of a deal than julian fleming is so you know production at ohio state being that type of an athlete i think that means something so i'm not ready to give up on Jaden ballard yet uh the other players that I'm not really willing to give up on are the quarterbacks from last year's class. And no, I'm not talking Caleb Williams. I'm not talking Jackson Dart. I'm talking the guys that we liked, we talked about, and then they didn't really do much last year or they didn't see the field at all. And then their situations have not gotten any better. The guys I'm talking about are Sam Heward, Ty Thompson, um, JJ McCarthy. I should have known. This was a layup for that. For it Ty was. Thompson it was answer. a layup for Ty Thompson. Um, you teed it up for me, and and JJ McCarthy to a, to a certain extent as well. Like I'm not ready to give up on those guys. Those guys have fallen significantly for me. Uh, you know, you have to adjust to the information that you're given. But I like their talent when they came out. 
Um, out of the group, I think Sam Heward still has the best chance to start there. Michael Penix is made of glass. And I also am not ruling out the possibility that Michael Penix just isn't that good and Sam Heward's better, especially in a Kalen DeBoer offense. So out of that group, I think Sam Heward has the best chance there. He's the one I believe in the most still. I still like Ty Thompson. He's not going to play this year behind Bo Nix. He should have transferred. It didn't happen. You know, now you got to kind of hope for a year three breakout, which is kind of risky. But I like his skill set a lot. And then you got J.J. McCarthy, too, kind of along the same deal. He'll get some packages this year uh, behind McNamara. But McNamara hasn't done anything to lose, the job, lose that job yet. I don't think he's going to. He's just very consistent and steady. Um, so we're going to have to wait for year three for McCarthy, too. But I'm not ready to give up on those guys yet. McCarthy and Thompson especially are very interesting cases because both of those schools, uh, Ty Thompson at Oregon and McCarthy at Michigan respectively, um, are both after very high profile, very good quarterbacks in next year's class. Um, you know, Oregon was the leader on Jaden Rashada for a while. I think it's still pretty close between them and a couple of SEC schools. We'll see if he goes there. Oregon's also in for Dante Moore, who probably ends up at Michigan. Uh, sounds like he's no longer uh, going to Notre Dame. I know these are all names that that may, might be new to some of our listeners. These are all uh, going to be freshmen in 2023. Uh, yes, we have started looking at that class. Yes, we are all sickos. Um, <laughs> but Dante Moore, five-star kid, very, very talented. Rashada, uh, I don't know if he's still a five-star or not, but he's, if he's not, he's very, very borderline. Next year's what quarterback class is extremely, extremely strong. There are already four or five five-star kids in the class. Uh, and, and a bunch more that are just really, really good players, quite frankly. Um, so it's interesting. You know, we talk about this all the time. How good does an incumbent have to be to beat out like a true freshman? Because um, there is an adjustment period there. But I wouldn't put it past either of those players to get lapped by a freshman that comes in next year, depending on what happens. So I, I think it's, it's definitely kind of, possible. It is but... definitely put up shut up time for those guys. And if they don't, get the job this year. I think there is a serious risk um, that they, that they don't take it come 2023 with whatever, with, with the departure of, of Nick's and, and McNamara. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, they have fallen for me, you know, respect you know, they were pretty highly ranked for me last year there. Um, they've definitely fallen. You have to adjust to the, if the information that you get, you can't stick too much to your priors, but I'm also not willing to completely write off the evaluation that I had. Um, especially with Ty Thompson, who we really didn't even get to see. You know, we've heard some rumblings that maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he wasn't as good, you know, wouldn't have stepped. Uh, that, that staff was also very conservative with Anthony Brown. But, you know, I'm not ready to write that off with, with those two yet. But like you said, put up or shut up time is going to be next year. Yeah. Um, and regarding Jaden Ballard, so Colin, I know – you were saying he, he was behind a lot of guys there at Ohio State last year. And I actually agree. You know, he's a year one zero, but at his current cost, like whatever, I, I'm fine stashing him in places. Um, did you know, for instance, that Jamison Williams was not a year one zero at Ohio State for all the crap we give him about leaving there? I did you know, not know that. That's you a know fun who, fact. You know, he was stuck behind there his freshman year. Uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me. Yeah, I think yeah, a bunch of future NFLers, KJ Hill, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Benjamin Victor, who uh had you know uh what a cup of coffee in the nfl as well um so i will like, say I, though I, that alave wilson first round guys jsn also first round guy marvin harrison we feel pretty good about being a first round guy 
I'm just saying the, the KJ Hill, Benjamin Victor, though that crew, that crew were, were good players. These other guys that are ahead of Gene Ballard are great players. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, so uh, I do think the year one zero, I mean, there's a reason why like 6% of them or something ever go on to do anything. Like it's just, right. it's such the a bar is very low. And most of the ones that did it are like Tyree kill. He wasn't even a wide receiver. Especially yeah. Um, like a, <laughs> most of the, the outliers are like freaking weirdos. I think the one that's like is Jarvis Landry yeah. is the one that you can point to and say that, that he was on a crowded team uh, there at LSU. Um, I, I actually, so I have, I have two wide receivers and one of them is an LSU guy, uh, Chris Hilton, uh, the first one. Um, so what Chris has eight categories uh, for the year one zeros. He, he's definitely perfected this, but one of them is not receiving touchdowns. Uh, and according to him, it's just because they are a little fluky. I mean, and Chris Hilton's is like a 90 yard bomb. Like that, that is what he scored last year. He, he caught a deep one and, and took it. Um, I tend to shade those guys as not year one zeros. Cause that is still a splash play. No matter how you look at it, like that is an impactful splash play. He did it in their bowl game. So while, while by the strictest definition of our year one zeros, uh, he is one. I, I, I tend to really not consider, uh, him as that kind of a guy um he is just a guy that they don't have anything else like him at lsu they brought in an embarrassing recruiting class this year offensively i don't even think that's uh offensive to any lsu fans out there uh they brought in by far the worst five-star quarterback i know that sounds like such like a, a backhanded compliment uh walker howard is by far the most obvious five-star quarterback fade in this entire class similar to how Brock Vandergriff was the most obvious one last year, and Harrison Bailey was the most obvious one the year before that. Walker Howard is the most obvious five-star fade. He, I would put the significant money that he is just not a good player. They didn't bring in anything at wide receiver, really, at all. Uh, they brought in uh, the coldest, and that's it. Um, so it, it's not like he, he's going to have a lot of new challengers this year. We'll see what happens with Keishon Boutte and his leg. And even if Boutte's out, like I, Neighbors, Malik Neighbors is kind of the like like for him. Um, but but Hilton just gives them that deep speed element that they don't have. It, I, I think, um, you know, he'll be kind of hit or miss this year. But I definitely think if he can clean up his route running a little bit, then I think he's a guy that that um, can be, you know, a day two NFL draft pick at some point. I know that's like the mythical. This guy could be a day two guy. Um, but the NFL has shown they just really care about speed a lot. And he's just really, really fast. Um, and he's at a premier program. So all those things, uh, you know, there, there is a chance there for sure. The other one is Maven Anderson, who is a year one zero by any definition. Uh, didn't do jack shit last year at Cal. Um, but was a guy that I was higher on. I think he was like in the the low teens, high 20s for me in the class. I was certainly higher on him than than like the 24-7 composite was. Um, I liked him more than than fellow four-star J. Michael Sturdivon, who came in there. Uh, Anderson supposedly has been the best wide receiver there at Cal uh, this preseason. I believe he caught a touchdown in their spring game as well. He, he's been really, really dynamic. He's kind of a Parker Washington-ish kind of guy. Like I think you put him in the slot uh, and, and see what he can do there is kind of, you know, he's not like a big bully, but he's not a tiny guy either uh, by any stretch. Um, he's listed at six foot 200. So I think, and Parker Washington is like 5'11, 195. So like they're very similar height. I think their movement skills are very, very similar. Uh, Anderson is extremely fast. Um, so I'm interested to see what he can do there. That offense was actually fairly prolific passing the ball last year. Uh, Chase Garbers was like a top 10 fantasy quarterback last year, and he's not a runner. 
Like that was all through the air. Um, so no more Garbers, but it's uh, it's Plummer, I believe, right? That that is probably going to be their quarterback this year. Yeah, I think so. They brought in um, Kai Milner last year as a freshman. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to be their guy based on yeah. what I've heard. As I was like say, we were kind of hoping it was going to be him, but yeah, that's where Plummer landed. Yeah, um, who himself is a transfer. Um, and he he's a, like a fifth or six-year senior, um, so he'll be gone. Um, so, yeah, I, they sound like they have a great rapport. So those are two guys that I I am not willing to give up on. Hilton's going to be a little more expensive. Anderson's free. He's 100% free. So, um, you know, he, and this is, these are guys where if you're doing a startup draft and you just heard me drop these names, don't take Chris Hilton before the 15th round and don't take Maven Anderson before the 35th. Um, I would, I would take him a little bit earlier than the 35th. Cause at that point you're just taking your guys. I, I do like Maven Anderson though. So I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, for, for what we, uh, for however much stock you put in 24 seven comps, uh, I believe they comped him to Devonte Adams. So. You know. Wow, there you go. Next Devontae you Adams go. is right in front of our faces and we're not yeah. even looking at it. But yeah, I say you know, he'll be like a flex at best, maybe mm-hmm. by a week fill in type of guy. But that guy's valuable and I think his value I think appreciates significantly yeah. this year. So from nothing to a guy that's on a radar that will probably be in our ADP in the top two hundred or ever next year. I think that that's you know, those are the kind of guys you want to target late, even if you just trade them off. That that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and you know. Cal isn't a nothing program. Like, you know, you, he might, might make an NFL roster, you know? So, and if he does, I think he has, he's a good skill set there. Chris Hilton, I have a little bit harder of a time buying in for, especially at his price tag, just because I don't love Brian Kelly offenses for wide receivers. There's typically like one that puts up some good numbers. We think that's going to be Boutte, assuming he's back healthy. If it's not, Malik Neighbors has been impressing. You know, you know, you mentioned him there too. But you also have Chris Hilton, Brian Thomas Jr., Deion Smith, like right in that same cluster. Neither none not of Deion those... Smith. Oh yeah, where did he end up? Um, Juco. Oh, Juco. That's right. Um, but they're also. LSU, even with Brian Kelly there, uh, is going to keep bringing in some some wide receiver talent. So they're going to keep bringing guys in. Um, and one guy that I forgot about, I was listening to uh, Cover Three's podcast on LSU there. Uh, one guy I forgot about was Kyron Lacey. They brought him in too. So yeah, and he's apparently been really pissy about everybody's work habits there. Oh really? You see, you see that interview? <laughs> it was a couple months ago. Yeah. No, I didn't. Basically, funny. everyone here is lazy, and I hate all of them. It was awesome. <laughs> that's funny i don't think he's very good though personally and again not not the, not chris hilton type of athlete like hilton is the no. only guy there that does what he does so um he will have a role um and i think he probably starts too um all right so second question colin from 50 shades of alps uh one of our og members um shout out to uh mr alps um, asked us for some CFF producers that could surprise with draft capital next year. So again, these are guys that we, we call quote unquote college only guys. Um, but, but maybe some guys that we predict that maybe have a better shot at draft capital than, than some others. Um, you want to take first crack at this call? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first guy I had on this list here is Trey Palmer wide receiver at Nebraska. He was at LSU uh, and then he transferred out. He followed his uh, position coach from uh, LSU to Nebraska. 
so he already has a bit of a rapport there. He was there this spring. They bring in um, Whipple from Pitt, and they bring in Casey Thompson, who is just a great game manager. According um, to Nebraska fans, he's the best quarterback <laughs> in the conference, and we're all idiots. Uh, he's the best quarterback that they quarterback that they've had in a while. Um, Adrian Martinez is a good athlete, but um, so but I, uh, Casey Thompson can support a wide receiver for college production. Um, Trey Palmer has been very impressive in the uh, uh, you know this spring. Sounds like he's the leading candidate for the slot there. I think he's going to have a really nice year there for CFF production. I think that he's a guy who's going under the radar for that front. But then if you start looking at him for an NFL lens, I think it's going to mean something that he's going to put up this, the production that he's going to put up. Um, He was at LSU. He was a high four-star kid. He was a top 20 wide receiver in the class. Um, You know, he was a uh, track athlete as well. He won the 100-meter title as a senior. He actually set the state meet record in the 200-meter, so he's fast. He returned a lot of punts and kicks at LSU. Like That was how he got on the field. He looked good doing it, too, so he offers some special teams versatility. Uh, he does have technically two years of eligibility left, but if he does, when, you know, when he comes out, he seems like a guy to me that would be a, a classic senior bowl type of a guy. So all of that to say, I think the NFL is going to like him and he's not somebody that you're really hearing anybody talk about. So, you know, I think, I, I don't know if I necessarily see day two draft capital, but early day three. Yeah. And who knows? Velas Jones just went day two also. So. Yeah. Crazier things have happened. Although no one's drafting Velas Jones, like he was drafted on day two anyway. So yeah um for whatever that's worth like if, if we're skeptical <laughs> on a guy going there he he does not get the respect he deserves well i don't think he deserves any respect but you get what i'm saying yeah that the that the uh that the draft capital would dictate for i guess we can say yeah so trey palmer guy I like there uh other guy I like was a guy i've talked about a little bit earlier joshua simon uh converted wide receiver uh he got good hands he's got good size i think he's a good athlete too he has the speed to stretch the seam. He can run away from linebackers uh, and some safeties. I think he'll test pretty well. Uh, and then he, I think he's going to have a lot of CFF production there too. Now, the NFL doesn't necessarily value that all that much. They definitely value athleticism more. But the NFL's weird about tight ends that they take. You know, They'll take chances on guys like Gerald Everett and Adam Troutman. Um, so why not a guy like Josh Simon? Um, you know, I don't think next year's tight ends class is particularly great. Uh, it's, you know, the 2024 class is probably a little bit better, at least from what we're seeing right now with, with some of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, I Simon has another year of eligibility, so he could stick around and get into that 2024 class and then maybe it pushes him down a little bit. But I still think he's going to get better draft capital than than what people are expecting for a Western Kentucky tight end. Maybe. He's a little bigger than I thought he was. He's over 245 pounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he's he smaller than that. Yeah, 6'5", like 247 or something like that, I think. Yeah, so that is decent size. Um, he's a very fluid guy as an mm-hmm. athlete. Um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't fight you too hard in either of those. Palmer's an interesting one. I'm actually surprised that's the name you came up with. Um, but I could – I mean, I think he will lead them in receiving. They lose Torre. 
mm-hmm. Betts is gone. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, there's not a lot else there. They yeah, play and, seven tight ends at any given time, so that that'll put a damper on. Well, it, but it's Whipple's offense, though. So I think you're going to see him. He's not going to be Jordan Addison, but there, you know, I could see him playing a similar role to what Addison played. Not a lot of corn-fed wide receivers out there in Nebraska, though. There are a lot of corn-fed tight ends. So, yes. <laughs> um, I I put three names down here. I think these are all shot in the dark type guys, but at the same time, you know, again, you said that could surprise, and I think you know, if I'm really truly labeling a guy as a CFF producer, like I really don't think there's 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 that significant upside there. So, first one is Christopher Brooks. Uh, running back at uh, BYU transfer there. We've seen BYU running backs do uh, uh, fairly well recently when it comes to the draft. I mean, Algier went um, early, mid, day three there to the Falcons last year. I don't think Brooks is really a worse back. Um, I, I think that athletically he'll probably end up testing similar to Algier did. Uh, he can catch the ball a little bit. The big problem with him is that I think he has some vision issues. But if he can clear that up a little bit, I, I think, you know, he put the excellent pad level, very physical. He does have some breakaway speed, um, played pretty well in the pack uh, 12 the past few years. So he's a guy that I'm interested in. Uh, another running back, Jordan Mims at uh, Fresno. I think we're all just writing him off as like he's a one year rental. And that's the kind of guy that surprises you with the draft capital uh, when everybody is in lockstep saying this guy is a one year uh, college producer rental. Look, I, He's stepping into an offense. It is going to be a slightly different different offense this year, but the personnel is all going to remain very, very similar. So I can't imagine uh, that too much is going to change for them uh, schematically. And Mims, when he got his chances last year, basically when Rivers was out, had a, a, a three different games uh, in those games against Nevada, 23 carries, 134 yards, and a touchdown. And then he had another four catches for 20 and a touchdown. The following week at San Diego State, 29 for 186 and two. And then against UTEP at the end of the year, went 29 for 165 and two, and then had another five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. These are big stat lines. He's six foot 205. So again, if he hits that magic 210 number, I don't think it's bad. He's got some decent footwork on him. Like he, he's a fairly, fairly agile guy. He's definitely the kind of guy that just kind of wants to get north south quickly. Um, but I, I mean, I don't mind that in the back. That, that's perfectly fine if you make it work. And I think he, he's a quick guy, he's, he's slippery. Uh, in the open field, and he's a pretty good pass catcher. Like I don't think Fresno is going to really miss Ronnie Rivers this year. I know, which is like blasphemy because uh, he broke like all the records there. Um, but Mims is a good player, and I think he can get um, uh, surprised. Like you know, round four, I, I think he could go there and at least be an option uh, uh, for you on the NFL side of things. Now is toss Nathaniel Dell out as well. I know we, we've dismissed him a little bit because he's just so small. Uh, he's like 155 pounds. Um, but he is extremely fast. He's extremely explosive. He can work downfield, and he's a special teams guy. So um, I, I think that's worth something. So he's he's a guy that could surprise. He's going to have another big year if he's healthy. Yeah, and he's definitely going to have production too. So yes, you know. yeah. And he's I, older, but Velas yeah. Jones just went in the third round, like we said. So. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think you can comfortably project a Calvin Austin esque type of a draft slot for him. Like, yeah, I don't Austin think that's Austin. outrageous. Yeah. Is he as good of an athlete as Austin? I don't know. Probably I know Austin not. was very revered quite. as a track guy. Yeah. Dell is not quite as much, but he's still a pretty good athlete for the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last one here, Colin. This is from Cannon. 
Um, he says, and this was, he was referring to freshmen. He said, tell us why some of your top ranked freshman guys might never be as good as we're hyping them up to be. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think you can really say this about anybody. Um, but you know, you can, you can talk down any of these freshmen just because we haven't seen it in college. You know, the, the skill level varies widely across the board, but, um, you know, if, if you want it, I'll, I'll take two of the guys going to Penn State, Drew Aller, uh, Nick Singleton. Drew Aller might not be as good as we think he is because he's very raw. Uh, we love those tools that he has. I think he has some of the best tools uh, in this class. And, you know, I think he has some of the best tools in the, in the last class as well, if he had been in, in either of those classes. So, I mean, he's very talented, but he does have to take some strides as a passer. And the mental side of games, too, he has to deal with pressure a little bit better. Uh, and if he never does that, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks like that fail. Uh, that's That wouldn't be anything out of the blue. Uh, Nick Singleton, you know, I, I do feel pretty comfortable projecting him to the NFL level, but he might not be as good as we want him to be in college because he may never just seize that backfield and take it to himself. Uh, you know, I think he's he's very good. He's explosive. He offers a home run threat. It's nice that they're working him in the passing game here a little bit, but we still haven't seen that much of him in the passing game. And he, I think, you know, if he doesn't take a step in the passing game and he doesn't work on some of his inside vision, um, you know, you're looking at a Ronald Jones type of a guy. So, you know, and, he, and that didn't work out really at the NFL level. I'm surprised you went after your Penn State guys. I mean, I feel like I have to. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're asking me to talk down some players, you know, I'm not going to be not going to be too much of a homer here. So I know I, I'm going to focus this question a little more toward wide receiver, just because you know we have we have the year one zeros, and I think it's worth attempting to predict which guys uh, end up falling into that bucket because if you can identify them early. Um, uh, then you can be successful. I tried really hard last year in my bold predictions article uh, for uh, right before the start of the season. Uh, before I had even really solidified the year one zero theory, I, I had I, I cited uh, uh, Julian Fleming the year before and and Demos and said, you know, who's going to be the big guy this year? It's going to be one of the guys at Alabama. It's not going to be Christian Leary, who is the popular guest. And then I said, drum roll, please. It's going to be Corey Brooks. Um, so so I had the wrong tall Bama receiver, but I was on the right track. So we're going to try to do something similar this year. And I think I, I'm looking at my list here, some guys that I think uh, have a decent chance of being year one zeros, uh, meaning they like, they do nothing. Like it's like 10 catches, hundred receiving yards, like 15 rush yards, a rush touchdown, five kick returns. Like these are very low thresholds. People that basically to be a year one zero, you are nothing as a freshman, you don't even touch the field. It's almost a surrogate for snaps played, but not really because some guys play and don't do anything. And that is arguably even worse. Um, so just, just some names on here. I, I have DJ Allen as my wide receiver six. I think there's a chance that he ends up a year one zero. I know you argue that he's very versatile, but he's not on campus yet. And it's kind of an annoyingly crowded wide receiver room. Like they're, they're not particularly great players, but there's a bunch of guys that contributed and had like 20 catches last year. It's very, very annoying. Um, so DJ Allen's a guy that I'm, I'm kind of circling Isaiah bond going to Bama there simply because um, they won't stop bringing players in. Um, so definitely a concern there with him. Um, 
Uh, CJ Williams is actually one that I think is a sneaky one that I don't think people are really predicting. Uh, USC is going to be the Mario Williams, Jordan Addison show this year, I would think. And then they have enough, again, other players there to be annoying. And will CJ Williams return kicks? Probably not, if I had to guess, based on some of the other athletes on that roster. So uh, he's a guy that's at risk. And then just uh, to raffle off some other names here that I think uh, are at risk of being year one zero. Shaz Preston, also at Alabama. Um, uh, Isaiah Sategna at Arkansas, although I think he gives them something really different to their offense. Are they going to use him correctly? Uh, I don't know, but he could return kicks or punts, and that would be uh, a, a big one there for him. Um, though, and then I, like any of the like Kobe Prentice, I think will be a year one zero at Al- another Alabama kid. Um, so, so those are kind of the and Brennan Thompson at Texas is another one. So those are kind of the guys that I'm circling that I think could be year one zeros at, at the wide receiver uh, position. Interestingly enough, the one guy you didn't mention from Alabama in the year one wide receiver in the year one zero wide receivers is the guy that you're the lowest on that's aaron anderson i think that's because he'll return some kicks i he might yeah no which was my argument which was like my argument for leary last year like he's he's going to be on the field do probably doing some special team stuff yeah but i i you're you're the lowest on anderson out of that whole group right out of those four correct i have him one spot behind prentice and one of my big things on anderson and prentice quite frankly was that i think they're more running back than wide receiver i don't think they're real wide receivers they're five nine one eighty five, and he like all slot moves like a running back. Like I, it's it's moderately concerning. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I just found it interesting that out of all of the wide receivers at Alabama, Aaron Anderson's the one that's probably the least likely to be a year one zero. Doesn't mean he's good though. Doesn't mean he's good. And the the thing about the year one zero is, is that if you are not a zero, it does not mean that you're good. But if you if you are a zero, it probably means you're bad. That's that's the delineation there. That's the takeaway you should always have with these guys. Just because somebody has 100 receiving yards as a freshman does not automatically make them good. It just means that it eliminates them from the automatic, he's never going to do anything bucket. Right. Which and is you basically can hit, what those guys fall into. You can hit like six or seven, six or eight of the category out of the eight categories and still not be good, a la Keyshawn Smith. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's more of a bucket thing. Is it yes or is it no? And then you check that and then you just kind of eliminate all of the yeses. Some context doesn't need to apply, Jaden Ballard. But uh, one other guy I want to... And I just want to toss out some other quarterbacks that I think are probably going to struggle to get any significant playing time in the near future. Malik Murphy at Texas, I think, is dead in the water already at Texas. He'll never play there in a billion years. Gunnar Stockton at Georgia, I think, is screwed. Taven Jackson at Tennessee is screwed. He's going to have to transfer. and those those are the kind of guys that I'm highlighting uh, early as just like it's it's probably not going to happen for them where they are. Connor Wigman kind of hurts, too, because it, it, Haynes King or Max Johnson, whoever wins that job, sounds like it's going to be King. Both of them can stay for two years at least. So yeah. he could be stuck behind them for a while. And Jimbo um, has no idea how to develop a quarterback either. So, yeah, um, that hurts. Um, one other guy that I'll talk about is Jaden Blue. Um, we are as a site significantly higher on him than pretty much anywhere else. Um, and it's because when you watch him, you'll, you'll see it. You can, you can tell he's very smooth as an athlete. Uh, he's got the size already. He catches the ball really well. There's a lot to like about his profile, but he did not play at all 
last year in high school. He sat out the entire year. We haven't really seen somebody do that. Um, you know, people reclassify and then move into the class above, but we haven't really seen anybody sit out completely. So he is going on um, a full year without playing. I really doubt he sees the field this year. If it is, it's very, very, very minimal. But they have Bijan ahead of him. They have Roshan there. They like Roshan. I would think even Jonathan Brooks would be ahead of him just based on seniority. So he's probably at best the fourth best running or the fourth running back on that roster this year. So he's probably not going to do much. Now we're taking him for the belief that Bijan leaves and Jaden Blue is talented enough that he just takes that role and runs with it. But there's a possibility that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like him, and it was never a question of does he play this year. Like, that's not like, – the answer is no, unless something terrible happens. Um, that That's always kind of been baked into my analysis of him. So it doesn't freak me out too much. Um, maybe it, it presents a buy low. I kind of doubt it, though. I think if you're buying blue uh, this year, you probably know um, that he's not playing at all. Uh, this coming year. So, all right, Colin, let's, um, th- that's it for mailbag. We'll, we'll bring this segment back uh, for sure. Um, uh, at some point this summer, um, let's move into our freshman profiles here, Colin. Um, big wide receivers is the theme for tonight. Yes. Big wide receivers, not big wide receiver guy. Um, not yet. Don't, 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 don't get too confused. <laughs> um, but no big wide receivers here. Um, the guy I'm talking about is Chris Marshall, five-star prospect, number three wide receiver in the class of 2022, going to Texas A&M. Um, he's joining another top-rated top wide receiver there in Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart's the one who's been really getting all of the buzz, uh, but Chris Marshall is he's very raw, but he's very talented. He didn't play football until his junior year in high school. He had over 1,000 yards, 18 touchdowns in in that year. Um, You know, he was impressive at the All-American Bowl. Um, He played well there. Big wide receiver, wins and contested catches very well. Uh, You know, he catches the ball well, um, tracks it well, fluid athlete for the size. He's fast, clocked 21.2 miles per hour. Um, But he's very, very raw. Very simple route tree. Uh, he doesn't really understand the nuance in the routes to get some separation. He really just relies on his athletic ability at this point. Um, now his athletic ability, very tantalizing, um, you know, for a guy who's 6'3", 195 to run that fast is, is something we want to see. But the biggest problem for him is the development of wide receivers at Texas A&M uh, under Fisher and just Jimbo Fisher's, ability to develop wide receivers in general. Um, you know, you have two five-star high-rated wide receivers going there in Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall. There's, I would be floored if they both hit. If one of them hits, it's probably going to be Evan Stewart. So I have been pretty low on Chris Marshall. I also tend to avoid the big, fast, raw profile as a wide receiver. That's just not something I tend to go to. When it hits, man, it hits, but it misses more often than it does. So 
intriguing pedigree, intriguing tools, but that's more of a guy that I'm out on. It's interesting to play the, I think only one of these guys can, 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 can overcome something at a school and I'm going to choose just the one. I played that game last uh, with LSU wide receivers in 2019. I, I was really high on Jamar Chase at the time after his true freshman year and not so high on Justin Jefferson, uh, who I didn't really have ranked at all until obviously he blew up that year and, and I didn't, well, I, I had him in one league, but like I, I, I could have had some higher exposure so it is it's a dangerous game to play with the i think they can only support but one. it's it's not only did, did we think lsu one? was going to have that offense that year we did not explanation we did not think they were going to have that offense but lsu has a much better history of developing wide receivers than texas a&m and jimbo fisher just throwing it out there just throwing it it's out fair there. It's fair. There's not. There's nothing that says they can't both be successful because Marshall and Evan Stewart, very different players, play very different roles. So theoretically, they could both hit. I just think it's very unlikely that they yeah. both hit. But let's get a real quarterback in there. Maybe they'll be able to buy one out of the portal at some point because uh, I don't think the guy is there on campus for them yet at all. Um, I, I don't believe in any of the quarterbacks they have there. Sorry. Um I chose Tet McMillan uh, as my guy tonight. Uh, uh, borderline, uh, he's a high four-star. He's the fifth overall wide receiver in the class. Uh, he's headed to Arizona uh, from Servite, a, a bigger high school there in, in California. Or they're a smaller high school, but they produce a lot of players. Um, 6'4", 185, 190-ish. Um, he is kind of a Drake London-ish profile, like not a basketball background, but it's volleyball. And he was a, a very highly rated uh, high school volleyball player as well. And I think a lot of the skills between those those two sports are actually very, very similar um, uh, for anybody who's not a volleyball fan. Go watch some of those those high level volleyball matches and tell me that you don't need the same level of athletic ability that you do with some, you know, some basketball players. So he's for a taller guy. He does have decent, decently quick feet. I, I will give him that. I think he plays a little out of control at times, but he is quick out of cuts, and you can see the tools there to be a good route runner. But he is not a good route runner yet. I, I think I've heard some people claim that he is, and I think that's a stretch. I think he can become one, but he is not a good route runner yet. Very big catch radius, as you would expect, at 6'4", 185. Um, he can catch the ball through contact very, very well in jump ball scenarios. I think he probably could play in the slot for Arizona if that's how they wanted to use him just because he's probably going to be, you know, him and cowing like they're, they're the main offensive threats there receiving the ball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they unleash him. But the, the big draw on him is that he's going to a school where he's going to play right away. He probably starts right away, but I'll at least say he's going to play right away. I, I think that offense is going to be a little better than it has been uh, in recent history there. Um, and, and so I think, you know, I, I don't have him as my wide receiver five. I actually think I have him as a tier three wide receiver, which is a guy that I'm kind of iffy on just because I don't, I don't traditionally believe in that big wide receiver archetype. Um, but I do think he can score a decent amount of points if they, if they do in fact have the quarterback situation solved there at Arizona. And I think he can be a decent player there. Uh, I'm not, I'm not on the you know future first round NFL draft pick bandwagon. I think more likely would be like day two is his ceiling, but I don't want to just, you know, totally rule out. He, he feels more like a, like, I think he'll be, he'll be viewed closer to like a Michael Pittman was than like a Drake London in terms of like tall, um, you know, moderately athletic guys. 
Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I think uh, I, I do like how you touched on the athleticism that you need as a volleyball player because it's it is a different sport, different skill set type of thing. But you do need very similar athleticism, and that, and you don't hear a lot about high end volleyball players becoming football players. But I don't. I think it's something that can definitely benefit him, especially in terms of ball tracking. Um, so I, I I'm with you on McMillan though. I'm I'm lower on him than consensus. Um, I think he's going to be a solid CFF producer. I don't necessarily know if I see a high end NFL future. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it uh, for our show here tonight, guys. Uh, make sure again, if you can rate and review the show for us, that would be great. Um, or rate and review any of the other shows that we have on the C2C feed, uh, you know, chasing the natty uh, Debbie debate hero RB show uh, and the future freshman. Um, all, all make up uh, what's going on over there. We've had a bunch of different uh, interviews with uh, current high school recruits or, or incoming freshmen lately. You can either find those on the feed or you can find them on our YouTube channel. And that's the same as the website, you know, campus2canton.com. The YouTube page, just search campus2canton. Uh, we will pop right up there. Uh, Kevin, um, wow, Coleman. I don't know why his head <laughs> isn't their last name. It's just a total blank. Uh, Kevin Coleman. Uh, Sorry, was, Kevin. <laughs> was down at Elite 11 uh, in California this week. Uh, he uh, just released a video uh, on our feed kind of breaking down what he saw. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Um, and again, guys, just go check out the website. We've got a membership probably for everybody there, no matter what you're looking for. If you're just looking for rankings, if you're looking for articles, if you're looking for um, you know di different tools maybe for your, for your rookie drafts or something coming up, I guarantee we have something over there for you. Go ahead, check it out. Uh, lowest one is $2.99 a month. So not, not a whole lot there. Uh, until next time, guys, though, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.